Hey everyone, welcome into Kitchen Talk Pickleball Edition. Joining us in the kitchen today is Carl Hilliard. Carl has a 6.1 duper and last year was one of the top singles players in the world. Carl, thanks for joining us. Caitlin, thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you again. So Carl and I literally met at the U.S. Open last year. It was one of my first big tournaments, and he was so welcoming, and we've become good friends ever since. I mean, how nice was that that we actually met in Naples, Florida, one of the, I think, prettiest places in the world? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's still the best place I've ever played in terms of just venue and location, but yeah, I met your mixed doubles partner. We warmed up before the tournament even started, and then we hit, I think, three or four times before either of us had to play mixed doubles. And it's been so nice just keeping in contact with you and Austin and just becoming y'all's friends. You're, you're just the best people. I'm so lucky. And my mom, like, I'll never forget. She was so impressed by you when she met you at the U.S. Open. She's like, Carl's manners, like, he's the best. You guys have to remain friends. And so Carl's actually visited us in Nashville and have played in some local tournaments here. And we hope to play in a tournament one day. So it's just been, I mean, that's what I love about this pickleball community, right? You get to meet people and new friends all across the world. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, coming from tennis, it's very cutthroat, especially in the juniors. And, you know, you make some friends, but the average person you see at the tournament is not your friend. And pickleball, I feel like even the guy on the other side of the net is my friend. I've I've made friends with literally every single person I've played against except for one or two people. And even them, it's not like we have beef. It's just we didn't really vibe. And, you know, I see him and I'm like, hey, how you doing, man? You've been good. I saw you got this really good win lately. Congratulations. But everyone else, it's like, you know, we exchange numbers. We ask each other, hey, are you playing doubles? Which tournaments are you playing? I'll see you there. And I've talked to a lot of tennis players who have found the same thing. And it's so nice to have that in this community. Wow, that's awesome. And yeah, talk to me a little bit about your tennis journey. I mean, since you were a young kid and then at age 16, you were one of the top tennis players. So talk to me about that and then kind of when you decided to pivot over to pickleball. Yeah, so um, I come from a big tennis family. Grandparents were named like the tennis family of the year in 1995. Uh, my mom played Division One college tennis. My dad was one of the top 10 men's singles players in Texas in his 30s. Um, they met through tennis. Uh, my older brother played Division One tennis at the University of Texas. Um, I went to IMG for two years when I was in high school. And, you know, before I went to IMG, I was, I was... I was okay. Um, I don't think I, I hit higher than 40 in Texas when I was in the 14s division, but I really kind of hit my stride. I developed a better game, played a lot of strong players, and it and I lost a lot too, it would, which, you know, you learn from that. So yes. I took in a lot of these aspects of players' games who were just beating me, and I feel like I really stepped into my game um, in the 16s division and was super excited to go into 18s division. I was signed up to play a bunch of ITFs, which are International Tennis Federation tournaments, summer 2016. And I actually got a stress fracture in my right ankle, which took me out, um, I believe, four months. And after that, I came back and it was never really the same. I couldn't get back to the level I was at. Uh, the fire was kind of gone. And I still played for another two years, but the passion wasn't like burning inside me anymore yeah and so took a year or two off when i started college wasn't playing much 
And I actually started pickleball during 2020 quarantine because I had nothing else to do. And I had this family friend who was on me like, you have to play pickleball. You have to play pickleball since 2017. <laughs> and I was always like, ah, you know, it's not really for me. I'm more of a tennis player. But 2020, there was nothing to do. And I figured might as well give it a try. And within a week, I, I just fell in love, played every day for a full year. And it was all wrecked for about two years. But maybe the past year or year and a half, I've uh, really taken pickleball seriously and played pro tournaments and been loving it. Yeah. And so what, why do you love it so much? I mean, obviously you were an elite tennis player. Now you're trying to make it on the pro circuit for pickleball. I mean, what is the biggest difference? Like, why do you want to give a sport a second chance again? You know, um, that's a great question. And I think the answer is going to be different for everybody. Me personally, I love competing. Um, I, I don't really know how to describe it. You know, competing to me is just, it's like an instinct. Um, it's something that I love to do. It's something I've always loved to do. And I think what it comes down to for me is I want to see how good I can get at a sport. I want to know exactly what I'm capable of at 100%. I want to be able to push myself 100%. And even if I don't win, I think that the most valuable part for me is being able to at the end of the journey, turn around and say, wow, look how far I've come. I came further than I thought I was capable of. And you know what? I enjoyed it. That's um, yeah. something really valuable to me. And I feel like taking that passion, you've already had success, right? You were the next gen men's singles champion this year in Kansas City. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that match. I saw like the social media promo after you won. You looked like a beast out there. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, absolutely. So the next gen, um, this was the first and the only next gen I played because it's a tournament. Uh, you have to be under the age of 24 to play. And I was 23 at the time. I just turned 24 about two months ago. So um, I entered into this tournament because my mixed doubles partner, Aaliyah Brown, who I also met at the U.S. Open, had asked me to play it. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And we had a solid run. I think we got seventh. And um, it was a bummer because we had a really, really good comeback in the quarterfinals of the back draw and just barely ended up losing at 13-15 to a very strong team. And so for singles, I, I was out there and I was like, you know, um, I'm a stronger singles player than I am a doubles player, mixed player. So I think I have a good shot of making a good run. And um, I kind of just got lucky and the number one seed had withdrawn who probably would have uh, beaten me pretty badly, if we're being <laughs> honest. And so I went through my first two rounds and third round, I played a really young kid who was very strong for his age. I was pretty surprised, you know, coming from tennis, you play someone four years younger than you. It's like not a big deal, but this guy was uh, testing me for sure. And he, he gave me a good run. And then after that, I played in the semis and I still wasn't like fully playing with freedom, if that makes any sense. And so I, lo I lost the first set one eleven. And I went up, I think, 4-1 in the second. And he then went up 5-4. And I was like, okay, timeout. So I like just kind of sat on the bench and cleared my head, drank some water. And I was like, you know, this guy is an extremely good player. And 
uh, I'm not trying to discredit him at all, but the issue was I wasn't like playing my own game. I was kind of just going out and doing what he wanted me to do. And I was like, I'm just going to start hitting my shots, you know, ignore what he's doing and just play my own game. And, um, and I really, really played the best that I'd ever played that day. Like from that moment on the rest of the tournament, I was just in the zone. Um, and I went out and I won the second set without losing another point. And then third set, I won it, I think 11, four. And it was just such a high level. And I was definitely on like a mental high from that. So going into the finals, I just tried to maintain that fire, played another extremely strong player who was really tall, um, which definitely throws me for a loop because I'm about six, four. And so when someone's taller than me, I'm like, oh, crap. But <laughs> this guy was like three or four inches taller than me. So it was definitely like, all right, it's going to be tough to pass him. Um, but he was a super nice player, a guy named Spencer Linear. Um, you should have him on the podcast one day. And same with Cam Waring, too. They're yeah, amazing Yeah, I'd love guys. to. I'd love to. Very, very strong players and both better than me at doubles. Um, but I just kind of came out on top. Um, both of them were three-set matches. And it seriously just came down to like a mentality thing where I was able to get over that hurdle of, oh, can I do this? Can I not? You know, these guys are on the next-gen team. I don't know if I'm kind of belong here and once I got over that it was like I played my best ever and I was able to take the tournament and it uh, just worked out well yes you did which is awesome so I have to ask you so you have a 6.1 duper in singles Ben Johns has a yes. 7.16 in dupers how do you think right now you would do against the best player in the world Ben Johns in singles what do you think the score would be um so I think I would lose <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I think that if I'm playing my absolute best, uh, that I could beat anyone. And I don't think that I would just go out there and beat them like one and two, but I think that anything could happen in any given match. Um, if I were to just go out right now this morning and play them in the next 30 seconds, I think I would probably lose maybe 11, three, 11, two. But, um, you know, singles is a weird game where whoever's on is going to win that day. And you see a lot of crazy upsets in singles that you don't see in doubles just because if someone is playing slightly better, even if their ranking is way lower, they have like a very strong shot at taking it. And yes. um, so I think that singles is much more volatile and I like that. But, you know, a lot of people don't like singles. It's pretty hard on your body. Um, sorry, that was like a total tangent. But, no, no, you're fine. I know. Um, I'd love yeah. to see it one day. And speaking of being like hard on your body, I mean, so for those of you that don't play in tournaments, I mean, it is like, go, go, go. I mean, it could be like 12 hours a day. You're finished with one match. You go on to the next. Um, it's really hard on your body, whether you're doing doubles or singles, but Carl has a unique routine. I've spoken with him about it, about just kind of how to keep up that endurance throughout these tournaments. And Carl, share with the world, I mean, what you do, you run, what, like seven miles a day? Talk to me about your routine. Yeah, so over the summer, I was doing 45 miles a week, um, which averaging it out was about six to eight miles every day. Um, and I was feeling really good physically at these tournaments. You know, I would go, and when we met in Cincinnati for that PPA, I played I believe it was 10 matches that day and nine of them were singles and wow. it was ridiculously difficult on my body. 
even doing all this running and the reason for that was you just don't get breaks you know i went out i played two rounds of qualies and then i lost to a top 30 player last round of qualies so there's three matches and then had um doubles qualies which we lost first round and then i had yeah i think five or six matches in the uh, points draw and i went all the way to the finals and was down match point in the finals so you know these matches went the distance and you don't get breaks between your matches and I mean, you saw me the next day. I was walking around in slides and refused to put on shoes because my feet literally were just... and hitting and hitting with us. I was like, Carl, put sneakers on. You're like, I can't. It literally hurts so much. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I think that it's really important to have a baseline where you can just last on the court for hours and hours and hours. And right now I'm kind of more focused on sprint drills because I want to be able to push myself at 100% intensity after four hours. But the most important thing is just being able to last four hours and being able to run 45 miles in a week, you definitely develop that baseline of endurance where you just can go at a steady pace for a very long time. And yes. I think that's an extremely important thing if you're looking to take a run at the tour. Yeah, especially for singles too. I mean, I typically, when I compete in the PPA and other tournaments, I do doubles, but like, I mean, we're talking like you literally don't even get a break for lunch. Like you have to pack your turkey sandwich, pack your cliff bars, whatever you're having. And I mean, that's like how crazy it is. So I can't imagine doing that for singles as well. So I definitely commend you for that. Um, but one of the things too, we were talking about PPA Cincinnati, uh, Carl and I both played in that tournament. Um, one thing that you were definitely battling with is diabetes. So talk to me um, a little bit about that journey and kind of how it impacts you as a player and, and just how you get through that in general. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna just condense it because believe me, we would be here until midnight if I just talked about it. <laughs> but yeah, so a lot of people don't know this about me. Um, I'm type one diabetic. I was diagnosed just before my 21st birthday. Um, type one diabetes is an autoimmune disorder. It's not caused by um, an, an unhealthy lifestyle or lack of exercise or diet or anything that's uh, generally associated with type two diabetes. Type one is completely random and genetic. And uh, Leia Jansen, the second best singles player in the world is also type one diabetic. And, you know, I actually really didn't like to talk about it for a while. I was kind of like embarrassed or whatever. Um, and I wear a needle all the time on me that measures my blood sugar and sends it to my phone. And I used to wear it on my stomach and it was kind of easy to not talk about it because my shirt covered it. And I was like, you know, no one sees it, whatever. But over the summer, they came out with a new model that I now have to wear on my arm. I'm wearing a jacket, but it would be about right here. And so I was like, okay, you know, people are going to see it at these tournaments and I got to just get over it and start realizing, you know, it's not a big deal. I can just talk about it. So yeah, it does affect me quite a bit. Um, I have to really watch what I eat in terms of carbohydrates. I have to really watch how much I'm pushing myself on the court. Um, I would say about two to three times a week, I push myself too hard on the court and I get dizzy and I need to sit down. And, um, you know, like eat chips or a soda or something, which I hate doing. I don't like sweets. I prefer salty foods. Um, but it, it's a big challenge. Um, and, you know, I'm not perfect at it. I don't think anyone is, even Leia Jansen, as well as she manages it. Um, it's not really something you can be perfect at. It's just an extra obstacle that we have to deal with. 
Um, and you know, that's fine with me because at the end of my pickleball journey, I want to look back and be proud of what I've accomplished. And so having an extra obstacle is fine. You know, I don't want the journey to be easy, but I want to do the journey. That's, you know, that's why I play pro. Uh, if right. I were to just go out and beat Ben John's 11-0, 11-0 every time, it wouldn't be fun. You know, part of the journey is overcoming all these obstacles. So I love it. Um, not all the time, but, you know, it could be way worse. And um, I think that it has helped me in a lot of ways on and off the court, just be a happier person. And I'm mature and be a lot grateful of and be grateful. You know, it's like Absolutely. having that obstacle. I feel like a lot of people, especially in pickleball, you know, do have some physical obstacles. Like I've had two back surgeries and I'm 29 years old. I mean, that's been a constant battle uh, since my first surgery. And I know a lot of other people that I've spoken with in the community also have, you know, their own physical obstacles. So with someone kind of like us that has, you know, different challenges on and off the court, what would you recommend to those people um, to kind of help them get through it and still be able to pursue the sport that they love? I would say the most important thing is you have to realize it's not going to limit you. The only limits that you set are the ones in your mind. If you can get over your mental barriers you can compete to the highest degree that you can. See, the way I think about it is every player has a scale from zero to 100. 100 is in a perfect world how good they can be if they've trained every day, you know, and having injuries or diabetes, it doesn't lower what 100 is. It just makes it harder to get there. And so you can still be as good um as someone who doesn't have these obstacles, you're just going to have to work 5% harder, 10% harder, 50% harder. And I think that peop most people are willing to do that. You know, the, the reason we go out and play sports is because at the end of the day, you want to win. You're going to do yes. what it takes to win. So pushing yourself 5% harder than your opponent, that's not a big ask for a competition. You know, you should be doing that anyway, if you really want to win. So I think that embracing that is the most important thing realizing this doesn't limit me what limits me is like if i start to believe this is going to affect me then the level will go down if you just understand that you can be the best you can be regardless of this kind of stuff it's no problem and i love that scale reference too you just mentioned i mean that's so inspiring and that's what's been so cool about starting my own podcast. I've literally only filmed a few episodes and I feel so inspired by people like you and the other guests I've had on the show. So hopefully other people are learning, you know, some tricks as well. Um, so Carl, we have to ask, I mean, what are your goals with pickleball? Where do you stand right now? Um, so right now, um, I'm currently a full-time student. I graduate this May with a degree in computer science and a concentration in cybersecurity. And I also work part-time as a cybersecurity analyst, fully remotely. I've been doing that since June. Um, I've had two internships in maritime cyber. It's something I really love. Um, 2024, I really think is going to be a big year for me. I'm going to take more time to focus on pickleball. I'm going to be training more. I'm going to be training more specific drills because for the past year, I kind of just went out and played singles and hit serves and hit forehands and hit backhands. But 
having gone to, I think it was four or five pro tournaments this past year, I've learned what these players who are better than me are doing. And now I come home and I am so motivated to just drill and like work myself so hard on the court because I can't wait to see him next year. You know, these, these guys who are beating me five, five and four right now, I come back and I know exactly what they're doing and I drill it so hard every day for two months and I'm going to be back next year. And I'm just so, so ready for it. My goal. And I know this sounds kind of cliche is to be number one in the world. I want to, I want to be the best and yeah. I'm going to work so hard to achieve that right now. Singles is uh, my primary focus just because I haven't found a permanent mixed doubles partner or men's doubles partner yet. Um, but I'm working on that. I've, uh, linked up with this guy, AC. He's a very, very strong singles player. He's been working on his doubles game and I've been working on my doubles game. So if we can get together for a few tournaments this coming year, perfect. Aaliyah Brown and I had really solid runs at two tournaments and mixed doubles, but it's tough to coordinate these tournaments. Um, and eventually the goal would be to find a men's doubles partner and mixed doubles partner that I can play every single tournament with. Um, but right now, it's kind of like I'm open to invitations. Like obviously Aaliyah Brown and my boy AC have like priority. If they were to text me, I'm going to yes. try and <laughs> link up with them first. But uh, singles is right now the main thing I'm focusing on. And as you try to become a top pro, are there any top pros that you've met at tournaments or just in general look up to um, that you'd like to work on some things to, you know, kind of be like them? Yeah, so I recently played against uh, Jaume Martinez-Vich in the Houston APP, and he was so kind and sportsmanlike. Um, it really showed me that, you know, even at the highest level, that social aspect of the game continues, and it was really nice to see that. And sometimes I get worried because I go out on the court, and I always try and be a good sportsman, but... One thing I do, and anyone who's played against me or has seen me play will vouch for this, is that I get really loud on the court. And I yeah. don't do it in a mean way or in a malicious way, or I don't do it at my opponent. I do it exclusively to hype myself up and to maintain like a high energy level. I have to go at a high energy level. Ben John's on the court, he's silent. And that's when he plays his best. And I respect it a lot. I am the opposite of that. I have to be making a bunch of noise. I love the crowd getting involved. I love to scream when I win big points. Um, and that's just me. And I'm always worried that, you know, someone is going to misinterpret this as, oh, he's just, you know, he's not a sportsman. Like he, he's trying to mess with his opponents, but that's not it. So when I saw Martinez Vich doing this and just like kind of chatting with me um, on changeovers and he was making jokes because I got faulted on a serve because I jumped in the air and he was like, and stay down this time. <laughs> and it was just so nice. And I was like, you know, I want to be like that. I want to be someone that it doesn't matter who I play. I want them to walk off the court and be like, wow, you know, that guy's a fighter, but he was so kind. And so that was really nice to see. And that and that's what you are, Carl, because I mean, Carl is also the best cheerleader. Like we were, well, one at the US Open in Naples last year, he literally helped coach us, which was so sweet of him. We had just met him. And then in PPA Cincinnati, he was, you know, following my partners and I, around as much as he could to just cheer us on. And honestly, having that energy on the court, like really helped us. So I feel like, yes, it's helping yourself, but like 
also I'm just one example of someone, you know, you also helped by bringing that energy. So I think that's something like so great about you both on and off the court. Thank you so much for saying that. And yeah, that's one thing that I do as well is, you know, if my friends are on the court, I, I'll get loud for myself, but I'll go maximum volume if my friend is on the court. And one of my friends in Cincinnati played Michael Lloyd, uh, excuse me, played Ben Johns. His name is Michael Lloyd. And uh, it was stadium court and I didn't buy a wristband. It was like 20 bucks, but I'm, um, you know, college student didn't have the money yeah. to buy this wristband. And so I'm standing like right at the edge of stand stadium court. I'm looking over the fence. And every time he wins a point, I like cut my hands and shout as loud as I can. And uh, the commentators mentioned me like multiple times when I went back and watched the match. It was so funny to see. And it was, you know, it's so inspiring for me to see friends that I grew up playing tennis with and just people that I've met in this community playing against the number one player in the world on stadium court. I think that's the coolest thing. And so, of course, I'm going to be right there with them, hyping them up, saying, you got this, you got this. I want you to win just as bad as you want you to win. You know, right. It, it's just awesome. that community. It is that community. And I like that's what you said, the difference between, you know, tennis and pickleball. And I'm currently watching Breakpoint, too. Like, I've learned so much about the tennis tour and really, like, how toxic it can be. And I get, you know, it's more of an indiv individual sport. And pickleball can be, too. But I just feel like the community and people wanting to help each other. Like, you literally at the U.S. Open just stopping your day to help Coach Austin and I. I mean, it's just, like... Once that tone is set, I feel like other people almost feel like, you know, oh, they're friendly. Well, I want to be too. Like this person helped me when I first got started. So why don't I lend them a hand, tell them what drills to work on? And I think that's what's so cool about this pickleball community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, you know, in tennis, you don't meet people like that. And I just like you said, you know, I've been up to Nashville. I visited you in Austin. We went to the PPA together. We we always try and schedule tournaments together. And I think that's amazing. You just don't get that in tennis and, you know, maybe you do in team sports. I didn't do competitive team sports past the age of 11. So I don't know, but um, in an individual sport to have that sense of camaraderie, um, yes, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I agree. And I'd recommend, you know, for whoever is listening, if you guys don't necessarily play in tournaments yet, I mean, you don't really have to travel. There's also a lot of local ones too. I mean, I love to do them for charity. So it goes to a good cause and it's just a great way to kind of like get yourself out there, meet more people in the pickleball community. You might meet your mixed doubles or doubles partner. So I just feel like the more you get yourself out there, the more open plays you go to, you know, you can kind of get this experience that both Carl and I have gotten through this sport. Um, Carl, what would you say, just one more question before we go, why is this sport so life-changing for you? You know, a lot of people have asked me that and I've asked myself that too. And I think at the end of the day, I just, it's fun. I love it because it's fun. Um, I wanna go out and play because it's fun. I wanna go drill because it's fun. And yeah, like winning is fun, but the reason I got into the sport wasn't because I wanted to make a run at the pro tour or I wanted to be the best. It was just, I was having fun with it and right. I kept having fun and it never dissipated. And the more I've thrown myself into the scene and met people and played competitively and pushed myself, the more fun I've had and the more I've 
the more my love for the game has grown and it continues to grow every time I go out on the court. And so I think that's the same with everyone who plays pickleball. You know, it's the fastest growing sport in America for a reason. People go out and they just enjoy it. And, you know, when someone says, oh, it, it kind of strikes a chord with me because I'm like, no, it, it's not about that. You're going to go out and you'll be fine. Like, I promise it's one of the easiest sports to learn, which again, why it's growing so fast. Yes. But you're going to love it. Everyone is going to love it. I would say just go out and try it. There's no way that you go out, play pickleball with people you like and don't enjoy it. I agree. Whether it's coworkers, family, I mean, anyone, it's just like, just go out and try it. They say it's the easy sport to learn, hard to master, but it's like, if you're just going out to have a good time, just get out there, try it, have someone teach you. I mean, it's really, like you said, just so fun, creates such a good community and everyone go follow Carl Hilliard. I mean, he's going to crush it. I can't wait to see what you do this next year. It's so exciting. I'm so happy I met you. So happy you came here on the podcast. So thanks for joining us, Carl, and stay tuned to see who joins us in the kitchen next time.